My City, Superliminal, and Four Guys Ultimate Knockout. This is Staying In. Sam, can I say thank you to you? You've changed my life in many ways. Uh, no, I, I, honestly, it's changed my life. It, what it, it has. I, I was around there. The, I was around your house a while ago, socially distance, and you let slip that you keep your biscuits in the fridge. Oh yes. And I don't what? know why I never thought of this before. Pete, Dan, do you do this? Do you keep your biscuits in the fridge? Do you keep all biscuits in the fridge, or just no, kind no, of no? This is this ones? is this is the thing. Chocolate biscuits, Dan. I, I mean, I don't, but I can understand the reasoning behind that. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And the other day I was thinking, should I text him? Because I couldn't remember if he said the fridge or the freezer. Freezer if you can, but fridge will do. Uh, honestly, it's changed my life because A, the biscuits are great. You never have to worry about melted chocolate. Nope. But B, I'm actually eating less biscuits. It's actually controlling yeah. my diet yeah, a lot more. Yeah, because you go into the cupboard thinking, I'll get a biscuit. Oh, we haven't got any left because they're in the sodding freezer. <laughs> and when you take the biscuit out, it's so frozen, you have to basically gnaw at it for an hour. Oh, it's it's incredible. Dur- during my tenure as a as a pizza chef, <laughs> as, no, actually, no, I'll say that again. During my tenure as an Italian chef... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I had access to a blast freezer where we would keep the fresh dough, I think it's Im- I think it's important that we clarify the Italian chef aspect of this story revolves you working at Pizza Hut. I don't want you to get above <laughs> your station here, Sam, and try and pretend you're something you're not. Other poor chain restaurants for pizza are also available. <laughs> so you you sorry you had a you had access to something called a blast freezer, like a bra- like an industrial freezer. So you, you probably like the home freezer drops below like minus one degree Celsius or something like that, between like minus one, minus five. This is like in the minus tens and you slap a packet of milk chocolate hobnobs in that thing and you're riding a different different train. It's incredible. So chocolate hobnobs, undoubtedly the best biscuit, uh, are improved from the free from the chiller, from the fridge into the freezer. Uh, another biscuit that is improved by the experience is the milk chocolate caramel digestive. I see that one is what I thought when you mentioned putting it in the fridge. My first thought was, "Ooh, the milk chocolate caramel ones this will work is well." Monstrous. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, just most, most if not all biscuits are improved by coming straight out of the fridge, if not the freezer. Okay, what about what about your your staples like your bourbons, your custard yep. creams, mm-hmm. your rich teas, mm-hmm. your malted yeah, milks? Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, why not? You're 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 kidding me. I mean, like these these why? I thought maybe the chocolatey element was the thing that tied all of this together. But you're saying that. See, you know, I think basically what's happening here, Pete, is Sam has taken the idea of putting the chocolate-based biscuits in the fridge or mm, the freezer mm. because obviously chocolate might be nicer when it's not going to melt and it's kind of nicer that sure. way. He's yeah. then developed a taste for cold biscuits yeah. and has now just expanded it to encompass everything and he's just lumping them all in when he says all biscuits yeah. are better it's because he's just developed a taste for a cold biscuit now. And what you're saying is this has become a sort of perversion rather than an actual <laughs> taste thing. <laughs> Yeah, Sam actually goes to the supermarket now and takes things off the shelf and drops them in the freezer section. Oh, whoops. Oh, and a, a sort of like cheeky, oh, look at me, I'm such a scamp. And then, and then picks them back up on, on the way out of the shop so they're nice and cold for him so he can eat them in the car. The, the science does back you up, I'm afraid yeah. to say, but I think from from texturally and the, and the, the mouth feel of a biscuit is improved by it not being served at room temperature. Agreed. So. Yeah. Definitely. 
Um, but then you don't have the whole thing of, oh, I'm going to go just nip into the biscuit tin. Well, yeah, you well, the biscuit, biscuit tin in the fridge. In the fridge. What's go. it called? What's it called when you get a wine to the right temperature? Is it chambre or something like that, which is room or something? It's the same with biscuits, isn't it? Yeah, Where you get def- the right definitely temperature. Chris. And if you want to heat them up, that's what tea's for, isn't it? So the, the entirety of the start of this podcast, Pete's face has just been a, a combined look of like disgust, confusion, and just kind of just being utterly perplexed by this entire I mean, it's an umbrella term. I'd say smacked ass. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Grimace. Like I've eaten a bee. Repulsion. Mm. I just, I don't get it. I'm sorry. I can, I can understand putting something like a Mars bar or a Snickers bar into a freezer. Absolutely. That's a delicious chewy treat. Um, I had the opposite occur when I, oh, before lockdown, I went round to my neighbours where he was cooking for me and my partner. And he was cooking some kind of like open pie or no, some kind of pie. And, um, a lazy pie. Just, yeah, just well, say what yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah, it was a pie. Yeah, it was a lie, not a pie, Sam. You're right. And I said, um, I said, um, where, where, I opened the fridge to, and I go, "Where's your pastry?" And he said, "Oh, it's, it's in the cupboard." I was like, "What?" Oh, uh, no. And uh, <laughs> I got this pastry out of his cupboard. It's like warm room temperature pastry, and he's like, "It'll be all right, won't it?" I was like, eh, "It's got yeah. butter in it." Um, so uh, I watched him kind of like he couldn't really roll it out because obviously it's not you know it's not chilled so the butter had already started to melt in it and it was probably one of the worst pastries I've ever eaten to what was an incredible filling Um, and all of us felt quite ill afterwards but do you have that thing where there are certain things you keep in the fridge that other people keep in the cupboard like I know some people keep tomato sauce in their cupboard not their fridge or vice versa Mm. I only found out the other day that you should keep soy sauce in the fridge fridge Mm. yeah I'd always I'd always kept it in the cupboard I don't know why I don't know why that always that gets a free pass compared to other things Mm. I'm definitely I'm definitely a ketchup in the fridge sort yeah once it's once ah once it's open, I will say that. Once I think that's the thing. I think open. a lot of the time is if there's a seal, it's fine yeah, in the cupboard till you've fine. broken the seal, it's and fine. then it's got to be in the fridge. Yeah, I used to be. I used to be everything in a fridge, man. Eggs, bread, biscuits. Why? Well, eggs are supposed to be in the fridge, aren't they? No, no they're not. Eggs are no, supposed to be out of the fridge. So ah, uh, so just in case we don't poison any of our foreign listeners, um, Americans, you are meant to keep them in the fridge because you do some weird thing with them. You bleach them or something like that. But uh, if you're in Europe, <laughs> if you're in Europe, I believe um, you keep them in the cupboard. My uh, my rule of thumb is always: where do they store them in the supermarket? See, no, I agree to that. Agree to that. And obviously, eggs are not stored in the fridge in the supermarket. However, if you look on the egg box, the instructions for storage does say to keep it in the fridge. He's off. Pete's oh, off. He's gone. See, I don't think that's true either. I think you definitely don't keep fr- eggs in the fridge. Uh, yeah, I like, and there's some, there's certain sauces that you know you really should be throwing after like a few days, but you think, yeah, chili sauce that'll keep forever, won't it? Sure, it'll be <laughs> yeah, fine. I, it smells got, okay. I've got a tub of mustard in the fridge that is at least maybe about nine or ten months old. You're saving it for special occasions, like when the yeah. Queen comes around. Mm-hmm. There Here we go. go. Pete's he's got, got his got egg a box. box of eggs. So these are these are happy eggs. Other Ooh. eggs that are not mean to chickens are also available. Um, He's looking. Oh my god! Oh. Mind Dan, you're blown. Absolutely right. I am absolutely right. I'm not going to lie. In the time it took you to go get the eggs, my confidence in my thoughts dropped significantly. <laughs> it says here: keep eggs refrigerated after purchase to maintain freshness. 
I always thought you could keep them out, and I and I do, and I will continue to keep. I them I mean, out don't get me wrong. Keeping the, these in the, fruit. the the rule of thumb being that the supermarket keeps them out means it's not going to really harm them, except for you folks in America. Um, yeah. But the I also go just by the instructions on the packet. Yeah, that's what I usually do, and I must admit, I didn't think I. Well, you know what? It's it, every day's a school day, isn't it? Also, I guess to back up Dan's point, every fridge I've ever bought has come with one of those egg trays. Yeah, that is also true. Got that. So there's they there's must reasoning. know something. Yeah, I just thought it was like Samsung trying to force me to do something like I didn't want to do. I'm just, I'm just making a note in my diary. Email <laughs> Egg Council of Britain. <laughs> <laughs> I want to find out what the official line is on all of this because that is. We must have an egg council. We must do. We absolutely must do. I, lo- I look forward to the follow-up conversation in our next podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, I don't know if you're in the same boat that I am. Like, having finished uh, Last of Us Part 2, like, I, I, I really struggle to try and find, like, like, that was a massive investment in time probably a bit too much time and uh, emotion so like the game that i'm playing off the back of that is like almost like the rebound game is a real big struggle to to find like something that's going to like just be the palate cleanser to that kind of experience like it's definitely not flight simulator definitely not anything like that i bounced off against things like Mark of the Ninja, and um, I thought about going into Assassin's Creed Odyssey again, but quickly uh, decided not to. So, like, yeah, I, I think like, like for me, that's definitely not a good proposition at the moment. Like, having knowing, like, going into that game back off the just off the back of the Last of Us Part Two, I'm definitely looking for something that's a little more appreciative of my time and sort of like something that. Um, I know I can digest a little bit easier. So, like, are you... Do you think you're there at the moment? You're ready for that kind of commitment, Pete? I think I'm at the point where I have been playing a lot of smaller time investment games and a lot of games without much of the in the way of, like, direction in a good way. So, like, obviously talked about Skater XL um, and been playing a ton of that, just an absolute ton of that. Coming That came off the back of Animal Crossing... And and I've really been enjoying these these games in which the sessions can be as short as you want them to be. Mm-hmm. But I think um, the the thing I've definitely found a lot of fun with recently is, and I think we've all found a lot of fun with it recently. Chris is uh, uh, Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout. Yeah. That's the yeah. one that uh, that's the one that I've I've kind of found a lot of enjoyment. The game with. that is pretty much the antithesis of Last of Us Part Two in every yeah. way, shape, or form. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, mm. yeah, it's uh, it, it's short. Uh, I mean, it's... obviously there are those obvious similarities, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that really, really grim stage, yeah. uh, which gets really narrative. But um, you know, I, I've really enjoyed it, and and I think I think it's kind of um, the way I think about it because I've been thinking about it a lot because I think it is very smart, and I I always get a bit I always get a bit like prickly when people just keep co- like copying the same genre formats over and over again it's like we had PUBG and Fortnite it was like yeah okay this is enough and then like a whole bunch of other ones came along and it was like oh come on no one wants any of these um and I'm um, I didn't really know anything about Fall Guys until it was available on PS Plus as as a free 
download this month and downloaded it and it is basically Fortnite except I think I might be able to win it maybe one time like it's a, it's 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 a it's a squishy platformer right um and uh it's it's kind of well it's it's if you've ever seen something like Takeshi's Castle or um what's the a other total one Ninja... and it's an yeah, Ninja Warrior and all that sort of stuff Funhouse Funhouse mm-hmm. yeah all that stuff um it's it's that, and and you play as you have your little character, and you can customize them out with lots of little doohickeys and so forth. Um, and there is a sort of economy of it that like there's soft currencies and and a slightly more premium currency, and it's uh, it's a it's a whole thing. But it is it is a paid game generally, and that is cosmetic stuff at the moment. And it's got seasons, and it's got live content. It's a live game, all that sort of nonsense. But it is basically a platformer in which there's not too many buttons. It's move your little rice looking beanie guy around and then there's a jump button uh i think r2 is grab grab yeah square is dive mm-hmm. and That's uh it. there's the face buttons will do little emote emotions so like you can do little dances and stuff and yeah and 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 it's a it's a knockout game it's basically like the stages are if they're, they're usually races or you little activities and and the races for example are stages where everyone starts at the beginning line i think you start with 60 70 people and there's a finish line and you've got to get there and in between there will be let's say doors and some of them are fake and some of them are real and you try and jump through some of the doors and you end up booping your face and then um then some of them are like little slippery slidey slopes and if you don't go up them in quite the right way then you slide back down again and little swinging pendulums that will take you off, and um, and it's a a big multiplayer online game. And say again, in the same way as like Fortnite is, but as I say, like it feels a bit like Fortnite in that like it's become this phenomenon, like seemingly overnight. And then I feel like it's just this really nice arena game. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like Fortnite where like I'm shooting you in the face and now you're dead and now you're out. And then as soon as you, if you if you don't if in Fortnite, I was thinking about this a lot actually. If you do, if you're not first, if you're not if you don't win in Fortnite, you're a loser. If you don't win in full uh, in, in full guys, you kind of feel like oh well, I got unlucky. Like there's no there's there's not there's never this sense of like oh they they really mess me up. And even if somebody grabs you and chucks you off you know like off a ledge by accident or on purpose, um, <clears throat> you just kind of feel like oh well, it's all silly and fun and 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 there aren't really ways to troll people. And I've had a great time. Oh well, I'll just restart and go again. Also, there isn't that there isn't that thing which really frustrated me about Fortnite, which is like you think you're doing really well and then like in a split second, that's it. You're out. You're, you're down. Out. Yeah, yeah, and the odds are stacked against you from that point. Yeah. Whereas in whereas what I like about Fall Guys is that it's very clever in making you think that no matter how bad it is going for you, you still yeah. think there's a chance that I, I might can get make it. This. I'll make because it because everybody it. else could be doing just as badly at any given time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it has been. It probably has been like the game that has refreshed me from the last of us experience like that's definitely what i was what i was hankering at is a bright and breezy platforming game i never really thought about it until until you said it about how like it is a platformer and i think like it is an exceptionally clever title i hope it will stick around i hope it won't be a flash in the pan i th- hope they will i think they will carry on supporting it but i hope that they support it in the right ways and mm. give it all that fresh content 
that that it needs I, I don't know if you saw on twitter they started because obviously when it first came out all of the brands got in touch <laughs> and were just like oh make a fall guy skin of this gaming chair and oh why don't you dress the fall guy up like captain america or whatever yeah. and um the other day they said they did a i don't know whether it's finished i left it the best bit i think but they said all right for the highest donation to special effect mm-hmm. we will make a costume of your That's brand amazing and when i left it yesterday a b-day company in america had pledged forty four thousand and one dollar <laughs> And the costume that they made was the little four guys bean wearing a jacket that said, ask me about my butthole. <laughs> That's and I don't, amazing. I, I don't know. I don't know how the competitions. Have didn't, I see on, didn't I see on Twitter today someone was saying, I think it was something along the lines that if I think if a certain tweet got a million likes or something or a thousand likes, they would rem- they would delete the yellow team from <laughs> yeah yeah there is there is a massive thing on the four guys twitter about how everyone hates the yellow team and yeah. it's becoming like a really big thing about if you're on the yellow team you're always gonna lose <laughs> i have lost quite a lot of the yellow team i have yeah, to say yeah i've lost yeah. quite a lot on yellow actually i, I the, so one of the games it, is um like a like a rocket league type game and i've been in two of those matches in the yellow team and in both cases our team was a man down and i was like hang on a minute this isn't this isn't fair and i lost both those times i have a really love hate relationship with this game because i joined it quite late because i was away um soz and <laughs> you had played it and i joined quite late and i already felt that you got a bit of a head start on me mm. and then i realized no it wasn't that it was just because i'm crap at it <laughs> and we played together and i went out in the first round and i just had to watch you play for the remainder of the rounds and i didn't get any enjoyment from that really the most i think the most heartbreaking thing about the reaction of like you not being very good at it is that if it were a real life fall guys as in if it was actually like these were that these events were things that we as a group could literally go to i think you'd be the best among us and i'd probably be the worst i don't know i'm not sure but but what happened afterwards, after we left Pete, after we all said bye, oh, thanks for hanging out with me, awesome, uh, it was lovely to watch you play, uh, you <laughs> went away, Pete said, I know what's going to happen, Chris, it's going to burrow under your skin, and you're going to be thinking about this game. I said, no, it's not going to happen, Pete, it's an awful game, it's player elimination, it's horrible, it's yeah. awful, it's unforgiving. I got so angry when I was playing it, I was so angry. Yeah. So this is not a chilling, this is not relaxing, it's awful, it's horrible, horrible, stupid game. 30 minutes later, I was back on there. Yeah, of course. And then in the penultimate round, I scored the winning goal for my team. And in the last round, the fifth round, I was down to the final six. Then I thought, I'm loving it, I'm loving it. Then I was booted out. I hate this game, I hate this game, I hate yeah, this yeah, game. Yeah. And 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 as long as you can kind of be... I mean, for me personally, that that's that's my mentality when I play this game. It's, it's entirely split down the middle. I don't know what I think of this game. But however, unconsciously, I seem to like this game. And I don't know whether it's because I, I, I kind of have an affinity and I want to hang out with you lot or actually it's just the fact that it, it has as sam says it's a bit of a tonic from everything else i'm playing or experiencing mm-hmm. at the moment in life it is bright it is colorful it is silly it is also very inoffensive um it mm. feels a bit like it's the closest i get at the moment to a nintendo-esque game it's squishy it's cuddly um it doesn't have that kind of monochromic palette of something like PUBG, and it's not um you know literally offensive in terms of shooting each other as you would get in fortnite it is essentially a herd of people um, frantically pushing against each other, so using the weight funny. of other people to open doors. And it is so funny. Like the 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 humor of it is 
it is that slapstick humor that I think actually video games does really well. Like in things like Human Fall Flat, like it is that physical humor that even when you're watching your pals, because you can group up as, as 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 a set, and it handles the multiplayer a bit strangely in that you are all on the same team. If you're in like if like let's say we would all be on the yellow team, let's say for example, if we ended up in a team event, but it is still also just everybody out for themselves. But I do feel like even when we've all been eliminated and I've just been watching, you know, Sam get his victory, uh, his uh, victory royale. I did, um, yeah. Like Thank you. It is... I, 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 I mean, I'm a bit upset it's taken until now to mention that. I well, you know, I, yeah, because you're very humble. Um, you. It is very exciting and fun. It's funny to watch because it's like, oh, like you feel that sort of like nervous, like energy laughter of like, oh, the, oh you, you were close there. But also, like, you're rooting for them. Like, you really feel like you're actually rooting for the people who are getting through this. Like, again, like you're on the sideline in uh, whatever daytime television show that this is sort of, like, inspired by, you know? Like, I, I kind of feel like I'm the I'm the sort of, like, you know, the, the mate who's on the sideline. Like, yeah, Barry's got a brilliant chance for this event. Yeah, it's going to be great. Woo! All right, thanks. Yeah, great. And like, you know, I'm being interviewed by Chris Akabusi and he's saying like, what do you think Barry's chances are? I'm like, oh, I can't. It's going to be great. He's brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I just, I just love it. I think it's, I, 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 think I, it's did, really I remember like, because I'd played it a couple of times and then just by myself and then Pete, me and you would had come on. And we're like, let's, let's give this a go. And I kind of said to you like, this is, this is really fun. I wasn't sure how kind of the longevity of it, how long it would last kind of still being fun. But I'd mentioned to you that I don't really know how this is going to work as a multiplex as you say it is every man for himself so you don't really there's no real interaction no cooperative element to it and mm -hmm. so i just wasn't sure i didn't really think it would work and then literally i think the first game we played i went out in like the first or second round and you i think you stayed into like to the the fourth or maybe even the final but the the hilarity of just me watching you go through these and sometimes it was because you're doing so brilliantly good. other times it was like i was just screaming at you because you're doing it wrong and i'll try to explain yeah. to you what you're doing wrong but you have that but also like there was one where um i think i was i think you were spectating and it was there's a certain race where you're on seesaws which i know you and pete you and hate sam it. absolutely detest hate i it, actually mate. quite like the seesaw race but i was i was going along and you were kind of spectating and you were kind of like trying to help me and you were like and jump and go and, and trying to kind of it it was almost like a team effort then of like as you said those cheerleaders on the side of the on the side of the field it was it was great uh, and yeah i just well. i do i do think it's it's really it's a really good fun kind of whether it's a palette cleanser i mean the thing with fortnite i got to the like the final few a couple of times but every time i did that it was because I'd spent the entire entire match hiding. The and I mean, I'd not fired a single bullet. I'd spent the entire match hiding in a bush and happened to find myself mm -hmm. in the middle. And mm -hmm. so when I eventually get to the end, you kind of like there's there's very little satisfaction. There's a bit of humour because I've just hidden my way here. But at least with kind of four guys, if you get to the final, and I've got to the final quite a few times, I've yet to win my first crane. The closest I got was when I was pipped at the post. I got to the final two. I was pipped at the post by Sam which was very annoying but if you come for the king <laughs> but in that in those cases i i do feel like i've i've achieved something i've there's not yeah. a lot of skill that goes into these games certain games have a bit more skill levels than others whether it's kind of your balance or kind of timing of jumps and stuff like that uh, there is a little bit of trolling from from that i think that came in very quickly the kind of people who stand around at the end of the match and oh, kind of jokes. try and stop people from finishing. There was one 
diabolical moment that I played that you guys are watching where there's there's a certain match where you it's a memory game where you have to pick the right pad with the right picture on it. If you get it wrong, you'd fall off. And I'd pick the right one and it was in the fourth of like the penultimate round. I'd pick the right one and then just at the last second, someone just pushed me off. And yeah. I just literally I we screamed because we I was so angry. Livid, livid. I can only apologize, Dan. <laughs> well, currently the um at time of recording, the donation to special effects stands at four hundred and twenty thousand and sixty nine dollars. Uh, and this is still the bid A company, so <laughs> No, it's it's Ninja and Aim Lab. Oh, all right, yeah, all right, yeah. great. Well, good well, I can't wait for Jeff Bezos to come along and make it even more fun. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it alone, Ninja. Jesus. Like, why couldn't we have our B Day man? Just let the B Day man get his nice costume. You know what? I'm happy with my boxing glove wearing pigeon outfit stripy man. Pete, what, what celebrity would you like your fall guy to. This is a very, very good question. Um, uh, be analogous to. Now, do we think Pete will actually come up with an actual celebrity? Or will he kind of have a bit of a brain freeze? And like in the last episode where he was asked to think of a famous Jennifer, he just said one of his friends. <laughs> I can tell you exactly who I would. i tell you what, I will tell you exactly who I would dress up as a costume in, in, in Fall Guys. And you, if you stay till the end of the show, we'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> no, tell us, Pete. Sandy Toxvig. That reaction she's, is she's, worthy of that she's the, she's the host of QI. Yeah, we know. Yeah, we, oh, know we know she, she is. Sandy yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We are the ones who don't know popular culture, Pete. <laughs> yeah, that's, no, that's but not, that, that wasn't the reason for the stunned silence. She's really funny. <laughs> she's really funny. Yes, yeah, she is like, very funny, she, yeah. She'd make it, she'd, she would be absolutely fantastic in Fall Guys. Like a little costume that says, I love you, Sandy, or like... Um, like what does what does Sandy's crew called like you know what like all these YouTubers have got like hey my pals or whatever it is that they'll say you know they'll say like hey honeys or like they'll say hey the Toxters yeah there you go yeah so it'd be like I have no idea what you're talking about Pete Toxters well that's because you're not down with the kids Dan Jesus well it'd be better did you see um <laughs> so all this brand stuff that's going on with four guys did you see what Marvel Avengers how they're doing their branding no so if you've got a virgin account you can have captain america dressed up in the virgin media colors <laughs> or if you've got a vodafone account you can have them dressed you can have the hulk dressed in like this vodafone oh colored garb <laughs> are you joking <laughs> no in the video game yeah in the video game that's it. As soon as as soon as we see like Hawkeye decked out in British gases colours, <laughs> that 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 is that is the the harbinger of the apocalypse, isn't it? Really, like the final is... damning indictment of that game. That is astonishing. We were meant to all be actually. I don't I don't know if Dan Dan was actually going to come, but we were all I, meant I was, to be I was at on the fence. The, you're on the fence. On the fence about we were all meant to be at the UK Board Games Expo this year. Yeah, I really missed it. I really missed the fact that like I was really looking forward to. Yeah, <laughs> to, I was really looking forward to, to it. Where we go. Not just that I've got 150 quid in cash upstairs, burning a hole in my in my bedside cabinet. <laughs> I honestly, honestly, I also ha like I have not made purchases 
this mm. year i've been like wow uk games expo i save that oh yeah that'll be a great mm-hmm. fun I'll, I'll be wandering around with arms full of stuff going oh look at all this great stuff i've got and then it's not on because obviously you know the realities of of, of, <laughs> of, of of 2020 living um but they changed it didn't they they've swapped out for a, a virtual event yes so by the time this goes live i mean it would have happened already it's happening so this weekend we hope you enjoyed it <laughs> we hope you had a great time and if you missed it uh, sorry yeah <laughs> um but uh yeah uh so uh uk games expos replaced it with something called virtually expo mm-hmm. and i think if it wasn't virtual we would have never had a hope in hell of being any part of involved in any of it other than simply as attendees sam can uh, you, and even then they probably kick yeah. us out yeah, sam, yeah. sam can you believe we we are we we've we are how many episodes has it taken 120 odd and we we 10, 110 10, yeah. we are 110 <laughs> episodes in and, and a lovely a lovely board game manufacturer called cosmos has said to us hey listen do you want to be on our booth <laughs> for, for a show? And we were like, what? <laughs> um, yes. and, and that was really exciting. And so we've done, what have we done? God, what have, what we, have done? we done? So, so, how, so, so how it worked is we, we uh, are very fortunate, as you may or may not know, to uh, have a relationship with a couple of uh, board game companies who are very nice and, and send us some games. We've been fortunate over the last sort of year or so to develop a, a, a really strong relationship with the people at uh, Cosmos, not just because they make genuinely great games, but they're genuinely nice people and mm. they've been very supportive of what we like, do. The, work, the work that we do and yeah. how we sort of go about how we make this ramshackle show. Mm-hmm. And yeah, as as Pete said, they got in touch with us and just was just like, do you fancy doing something uh, for the expo? And we were like, oh dear. <laughs> oh no. <'Cause>, <laughs> we've been rumbled. <laughs> we, yeah. And uh, the, the thing that was surprising is is they do listen to this podcast. So they know yeah. that this is what we make as well. It's not, it's not one of those things of like, we've sent it out like, oh yeah, no, we're totally profesh. Totally profesh. So, so yeah. And then we had to think about what it was that we were going to do for like a set show about about well at the show basically so yeah so and a, if and a you video virtual... not 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 audio mm-hmm. yeah so this we is, also this is not be... our wheelhouse no i know we were like we were like oh we're also gonna have to well i, I had to move the exercise bike um <laughs> that was the only thing you did though <laughs> it was the only thing yeah i thought don't go too far and uh, so if you were at virtually expo and you visited the cosmos stand then um yeah you will have seen hopefully a video of us pairing <laughs> pairing food and drink real food and drink with uh, board games that cosmos makes and um i think dan i just want the reason i bring this up is not to pat my own back it's to pat your back dan oh, mm-hmm. because i think i think we all did a lovely job ourselves of, of having a nice time and talking about those things but i think you dan you've gone the extra extra mile uh, for editing the whole thing together because it is genuinely absolutely incre- it looks it looks fantastic considering that we all did this at home yeah, yeah. um uh you know it's not like we got like a camera crew in which you'll see. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and um, cards on the table here. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, you know, Sam, you did an amazing job as well of just of of chatting with them and seeing what it was that they were, that they were interested in and organising everything with everyone. And really, what I'm saying is, Chris, you and me have really not pulled our weight. No, not at all. No. I mean, I wore a shirt. Yeah, you. You know what? Yeah, you did, didn't you? So. <laughs> 
So it's what I'm saying when, is... Basically, what we're saying is when we get to episode 220, you two better pull out something of equal magnitude. Because yeah. me and Sam are taking the night off. Yeah, yeah. But honestly, I'm I'm genuinely genuinely excited to see what people think of it. So I be uh, so we we we're fortunate enough we get to put that up on our YouTube channel because we do have a YouTube mm-hmm. channel because we put a uh, podcast up on there. Um, I would love to know what people think of it because <laughs> because honestly, I think it's I've never thought of. I don't think anyone's done it before. I don't think anyone will do it again. No. Um, and uh, also, if we get loads of views. Maybe maybe they'll have us back. <laughs> that would be quite fun, wouldn't it? But I gen- genuinely, yeah, I'm really excited to see what people think of it. I did start thinking that actually the crazy idea of pairing a board game with food was actually a really fun and interesting way of talking about board games. And it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. it was something different. Uh, yes, obviously, we're talking about the food and stuff as well, but it gave us a, just a completely different avenue of exploring what the games are, how, why we enjoyed those games in particular. And that was just something that I kind of, as I was kind of watching it more and more so actually this is a really fun and different way of looking at games that probably for a reason people haven't done before and Mm -hmm. as you say we probably won't do it again but yeah it was just a a really kind of really fun experience thing for all of us to kind of go through so i mean say thank you to me i mean we all we're all part of it we all kind of contributed it to but thank you to the guys at cosmos who kind of helped make it possible really and kind of thanks for giving us a space on their booth uh, it's called Eat, Drink and Play and you can search YouTube for it. It'll be on there for the rest of recorded time. Yeah, just also also take a look at our social media channels and you'll see links and stuff on there as well. And you'll get yeah, to see yeah. our beautiful faces. I mean, I'll put beautiful faces in kind of quotes, but, you know, yeah, asterisk. we're there. <laughs> So Super Liminal is a game I'm super excited about. It's been in other places for a while, but it's recently come on the Switch uh, oh, this uh, last year. I think it came... No, it was this year, sorry, it was on the Switch, and it debuted last year, sorry. Previously called the Museum of Simulation Technology when it debuted at Tokyo Game Show way back in 2013. Have you ever been uh, to, like, a famous kind of tourist location that's like there's a building or something, and people do that thing where they take a picture and they're looking as if they're like holding the building up or they're leaning mm-hmm. up against the building and people are like at a distance of a camera going, oh yeah, look, it looks Le- like you're holding like the building Pisa up. And stuff. Well, I have been to Pisa and outside the front, oh. it's full of people just high-fiving invisible people because it's yeah. that whole thing. When I, when, I was, when I was walking down the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and you look out ag- uh, across the reflection pool in Washington, D.C., and you and you see it there. You see Washington's monument. It's just tons of people standing there, either pretending to put their hand on top of it or pretending it's some sort of phallic symbol coming out from their crotch. And it's just like this is what Abe would have wanted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the foundational moment of our entire nation. <laughs> like, like, it's just so. Oh my goodness. But but yeah, that kind of that kind of forced perspective. And you see it a yes. lot in architecture and sculpture, like in the Statue of Liberty. Like the Statue of Liberty was designed to be seen from the ground looking up, really, because they didn't really think you'd be able to see it like at eye level, say, for example. So mm-hmm. it, it's slightly skewed, so it looks anatomically correct from the ground looking up, or as you'd see it from the boat as you'd go past it. Yeah. And this game, Superliminal, which comes from publishers Pillow Castle, and it's really kind of like the brainchild of Albert Shear, is a game which is based around that simple mechanic. It's a first-person, single-player puzzler, 
and it, the whole mechanic really is forced perspective, where if I pick up an object like this pen, for example, if I hold it close to me and drop it, it doesn't really change in size. But if I hold it high above me, so it almost looks like it's in the distance and I let go of it, suddenly that pen will drop and it's massive. <laughs> and equally, I could take a big object and hold it low in front of me and I can make it small. And, you know, I can I can be creative in how I do that. And similar to games such as Portal, which has that very simple kind of elegant use of the portal gun to solve puzzles, there are echoes of that here. So hang on. Can you, can you like, manipulate any object to make no. it bigger or smaller? And- if, any object you can pick up, you can do that. And some there are okay. some red herrings there. So occasionally, like, there's one situation where... I just had like about a hundred fire exits that I thought were part of a puzzle that I didn't. I just, I nearly broke the game because I was multiplying fire exits and they're all different sizes and I didn't know quite not to do with it really. I was just going to say like, what's stopping you just making everything massive or everything tiny and then you can't find... Well, I've had that. I, I, there was a situation where you've got this tiny little doll's house and you make it big so you can walk into it. But I, at one point I made it too big and I dropped it on top of me. <laughs> But then you, it's 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 brilliant. It is, but but obviously, like the game prepares that, so you don't die because the whole premise is that you've you've gone to this particular institute called the Pierce Institute uh, to help you with your dreaming, and okay. the whole premise is, and it's quite loose that you're lucid dreaming, and you're walking around and you hear these voiceovers of your doctor, Doctor Glenn Pierce, and it's a bit like the Stanley Parable in the sense that it gets a little bit meta because you'll walk into what you think is a lab and you'll walk outside it and discover it's a set. And this game is full of those instances where you're leaving what seems to be a reality and going into the actual reality, or you think it's the actual reality. And then the cycle begins again when you wake up and then you turn the alarm clock off and you begin again in a different place. So it's playing with that. And it's quite telling that the game is called super liminal. Liminality, this idea of thresholds. So liminal spaces... You know, there are places like doorways or corridors, these in-between places. You're always hovering in that place between reality and uh, fiction, being sleeping and awake, this kind of stuff. And it does some really quite interesting things. And you, and I, I can't remember the last time, probably since Portal, where I had that experience where my brain is being rewired as I'm learning the new rules of this world, where mm. I could take a little fire exit right. sign and think, actually, I can make that big enough. I could turn that into a bridge to get from here to here. Um, and puzzling out that is really enjoyable. And I've been playing this handheld on my um, my Switch Lite. We said that the the comedy in Fall Guys was like physical, like slapstick humor. Is the comedy in this? Does that come from, as it does with stuff like Stanley Parable and and, and Portal? Is it in the absurd, or is it in the um, like the the almost like the shock, the shock of like, oh, that's right, and you sort of like. It's sort of funny because it, it subverts what you expected, or yeah, it's a kind of a more of a wry kind of humor, really. Like okay. um, in, in terms of how the game gives you trophies, like there was an instance where I there's vending machine. I just pressed a button on the vending machine, a can of soft drink came out, and then I, I looked at it like from below, looking up, and I dropped it, and this coke can was suddenly the size of a car, and it just like exploded and just started pinging around the room. And I got a trophy for that, I think, or I got a trophy for like. Um, multiplying one thing too many times or turning off you know 
and pressing the switch and all these kind of fire alarms. Um, I don't really want to spoil it because it, it is quite clever in the sense that you just have to keep every time, every level, for want of a better word, you have to keep rewiring the possibilities of the scope of this game. Mm-hmm. Every time you think you're doing something game-breaking, you're actually playing the game. And I was watching a review today that, where they actually generally broke the game, but they didn't realize it. They just thought it was part of the game. And mm-hmm. they actually fell through the floor of the game and they thought, oh, this is great. This is clearly part of it. <laughs> and they were just sat around waiting for ages. And, and it, it's a really lovely way to pass the time. And I don't mean to render that a disservice because this game doesn't really outstay its welcome. It starts to plateau a bit towards the latter end, but it's a very short, swift game. And although it may seem like there's no replayability there, it's very. Im- I, I, I went back and played it straight away. And it's amazing how quickly you forget some of the puzzles and um, because, because it is, it's asking for a lot of lateral thinking there. And it's largely quite abstract. And it is just, it, it's great fun. There's some generally some lovely, hilarious moments where you'll be, you're walking confidently along a corridor and you realize that actually the end of what you think is the end of the corridor is actually just painted on the wall. Or there'll be like this strange painted markings. You're thinking, what does this mean? Until you get into the right position and everything lines up and you've suddenly got a giant chess pawn there. And you mm-hmm. boop, take that away and suddenly you've got a gap in the wall that you can walk through. So it plays on that notion of apophenia, which is a bit of a delusion, but it's where we see patterns in things where there aren't patterns. And it's encouraging you to try and look for patterns and, you know, pattern recognition, that kind of stuff. And yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of Portal, Stanley Parable, even The Witness, and these kind of first person puzzlers, but unlike The Witness, what's really great about this is there's not a lot of backtracking. There are these kind of doorways, which are kind of slightly translucent. When you walk through them, it means you can't take an object through them, which means that clearly you know then that the puzzle stops here. You know, you're going onward oh, now, but you know like you that. haven't got to backtrack through all of this. Yeah, yeah, that's I, you I, haven't I missed love, something that far back. That. So you never feel too frustrated. Okay. And it just adds to the enjoyment of knowing, oh, what if I did this here? And just as I was saying before, that hilarious thing where I've got it slightly too big, I've misjudged this, and suddenly a giant children's like playing block just goes boom on the ground in front of you say uh, for example but yeah it's it's worth it's worth a play and it's great handheld as well uh super liminal i think that um yeah if you're looking for something that's to pass the time that is another tonic uh, for the last of us part two i think uh super liminal would be a really good chat for you really when we did the eat drink and play thing there was one game that uh i wasn't allowed to talk about when we were doing it because mainly the times didn't quite match up and it wasn't available but now i'm allowed to Mm -hmm. and uh it's a game it is a game by cosmos and i think i think it is gonna be one of my favorite games i've played this year and i am i'm going to wholeheartedly recommend it to each of you to play and it's a game called my city okay and it's a spiel de jar game of the year or like family game of the year Jeez. nominated uh game from reiner knitzia everyone's favorite um bow tie wearing german board game designer what has reiner knitzia done what has reiner knitzia done yeah what's i mean i mean uh, specifically in the in the world of board games i guess i don't really need the rest of his you know i don't need personal details ingenious lord of the rings confrontation modern art i've got modern art modern art's very good Lost Cities, Shot and Totten, you like that one? Yeah. I mean, looking on BGG, it's 600 games. So what you're saying so... is, what you're saying is, this lad knows how to make a board game. Well, let's just say, like, if you're getting into the hobby of board games, then 
probably very quickly on you start to recognize certain names and certain people will will pop up quite often his name is definitely one of those recognizable names in in the hobby of board games like he is considered one of like the most prolific and his what what he makes generally is always of a very very high standard so what's different about my city is that i believe it's the first legacy game that he has designed okay so when we talk about legacy games um essentially what they are is a board game where your previous game or round that you play in it will affect subsequent games and rounds you have of that of that particular title it's probably as close to a video game as as board games kind of get in terms of like you know if you've played something like um the walking dead or life is strange where you get those things like johnny will remember this Mm. or you have acted badly and you and therefore your consequences have actions further down the line in the game legacy games or board games work in it work in a similar way your actions have certain will have certain consequences as you go down the line probably the most famous of which is pandemic legacy um which chris and i have both played i feel like chris and i may have inadvertently damaged inadvertently opened pandora's box when we played the first episode of or the first month of pandemic legacy season two probably like two or three days before lockdown started (laughs) and we closed the box and like jumanji we just threw it in the sea (laughs) chris i found i had to we were doing a lot of clearing out recently and and i found our box of pandemic legacy season two and it is dusty it is dirty so my city works in a very similar way (laughs) <laughs> in terms of it being a legacy game and not in terms of releasing a global pandemic. Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. Right, yeah. <laughs> so the obviously obviously I don't want to spoil anything that my city does. I just want to kind of tell you a little bit about why I think it's uh has been such a refreshing and exceptionally good experience for me. So the so so the base game is quite easy to to explain. You uh, when you when you open the box, each player uh, it's like two to four. Each player gets this little city board, and everyone's city board is the same. You'll all be encouraged to like write the name of the city in the like top left-hand corner in permanent marker. Um, so I named mine Turnberg with some umlauts <laughs> over the U <laughs> to uh, to like really make it feel like fancy. Um, but the actual city itself, the the map that everyone gets is is exactly the same. It's this eleven by eleven grid. There's this little river running through it. There's like these squares that have got little trees on it. Some squares have got little rocks on it. There's like a little forest and a little like rocky mountainous area. And the game starts off really simple. You have this deck of cards and everyone gets the same uh, amount of tiles. So when I say tiles, I mean like, you know, like tetonomo shaped tiles. And you turn over a card from this deck and whatever tile it shows, that's the next one that goes into your city. And so you carry on playing the game until either the deck is exhausted or you can't place any more tiles in your city. And you'll get minus one point for every rock that's left uncovered. And you'll get plus a point for every tree that's left uncovered. So as you're laying your tiles, the aim of the game is to try and use the space efficiently and effectively enough to cover up rocks, but keep trees 
uncovered. And that's that's how the game starts. If you if you win, you'll get these things called progress points, mm-hmm. which are like circles that you colour in at the top of the board. And if you lose, you will be compensated in a certain way, which as the game starts, you will be able to put a sticker that has some trees on it on the board. Nice. So therefore, on the next game, you've got more of a chance to win the game because you've got more trees on the board which will effectively hopefully make it a bit easy for you to get get more points Mm -hmm. the winner on the other hand they get their progress points which is like the overall whoever has the most victory points at the end of the whole experience will win they will get a sticker that has rocks on it so therefore it's just like well you think you're so good here's some more rocks to cover up (laughs) um so that's like the the basics of like how the game works and some of the very very simple ways that it introduces this legacy theme in terms of like if you're doing really well we're going to try and make the game a little bit harder for you if you're not doing as well as the other people around the table then there's like little compensatory bits um, and pieces that come into the game to kind of help balance it out there's 24 episodes over the course of the 24 episodes which are split up into eight chapters it's creating a very, very balanced and fair experience. You never really feel like one player is ever really steamrolling and 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 like steaming out the gate and doing better than you because the game is always trying to like pull that player back in, which is great. So the game comes and as well as these game boards, it also comes in this these eight little envelopes which represent the eight chapters of the game, which is just like wonderfully exciting. And I've been playing this because of the pandemic. I've been playing this with my wife exclusively. We've been playing this as a two-player game. And she's never played a legacy game before. She knows what they are because she's often walked in on me and Chris, like, standing there, like, backs hunched. It's not what it looks like. Hand, hands <laughs> hands on chin, just, like, looking at the world of pandemic and going, what the hell do we do, Chris? This is, this is life and death. Everyone's going to die. And been like, oh, my God, and just left us to it. Yeah. So she knows what there is, but she's never she never played one before. So for so for her, it's been this wonderfully like exciting experience. And like most of the things my wife says, she's able to distill everything I ever say and think about board games into one simple sentence. And she's just like, "Oh, this is this is like a, a TV box set, isn't it?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, it is." And so every every envelope we have is like a new season of of this board game. You open it up and inside it will be little treats like new little tiles new little cards new little stickers and each episode essentially will change up how the game works in in a certain way by adding a new rule or by uh, developing how the city actually works and it's really it's really really good because it it never does anything that's too audacious it never does anything that's like too out there and i feel like in my experience what tends to happen with legacy games is they just get more and more complicated and more and more outrageous and like oh my god this is more and more stuff to to think about and 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 consider and what starts out as a very very simple experience suddenly becomes a very very complicated one and i can understand how that can maybe be an off-putting experience for some people especially when it comes to you know, when it comes to certain levels of permanence in terms of like, well, if I put this sticker down here, how much is this going to ruin me like five or six games 
down the line. However, in my city, like none of that, none of that exists because it's, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way, but it's very much my first legacy game. And it does everything it can in its design to make sure that no one is ever left behind and everyone's enjoying the experience as much as they can. So as I said, there's 24 episodes and eight chapters. So there's three episodes in each chapter. And the first episode is always, here's some new rules. Right, we're just going to get to know the rules for this episode. And then the next episode is always, we're just going to change them a little bit. And then the third episode is just like, right, now we've changed them. See how well you can do with them. Like every chapter is this wonderful, like, (laughs) sort of like this warm shower of experience where it's just like very, very gentle and comforting. And like, you never feel, ever feel like, overwrought with what's happening you just feel like you can enjoy it right and it is just like a good box set in that way like things are changing things are developing but because the characters and the base thing uh are done in such a gentle way there's never these massive like leaps or steps where you're where you're trying to like put pieces and pieces together a bit like dark chris like how that's always just like stretching your cognitive function bloody love it by by jumping across three different timelines this is very much just like a gentle gentle like progression in terms of like its mechanics and how complex i get it's not as like it doesn't have as much personality as like legacy as like pandemic legacy does like if you were to look it like it it tries to do stuff like uh, there's like some flavor text like one of the early things is churches arrive into your city right okay. just on the and back of lorries so, yeah yeah who left this in uh, <laughs> like and it says like the progress of your city has attracted the church okay. and like churches are interesting because you can't you can never pass laying a church and if you can and if you pass a church that's it you're out of the episode like you can't you can't complete it so so it has these like little things where it tries to put in these little flavor text but it's never quite clicked like if you were to look at mine and lisa's boards of my city at a, a cursory glance other than the name in the top left hand corner they look exactly the same there's not that much you can just do with the board to make it really feel like your own but that's like that's probably the only negative thing I, w- I will say about it because like i think it's been a refreshing and welcoming experience in terms of like bringing games to the table when i'm in a, like a time where i've been like striving for more complex and and more um, a more in-depth experience and use like lighter quicker experiences to to bring like the balance to that my city lands directly in the middle which is why i think like pete i think you and alex will really enjoy it because it's it's one of those games which will make you feel like you are investing in something but it is so appreciative of your time that you will get that investment from it, but in very small chunks. Like each each episode is about 10, 15 minutes long. So you can do a whole chapter in, in an hour. Okay. And Dan, I think for someone like you that that also A, probably doesn't have the time, but B, sometimes struggles with introducing stuff to someone who is a bit reticent about getting in touch with games, that like level progression that like difficulty curve that my city does is exceptionally well defined to be like 
introduce this to someone who doesn't like games like get them to write on the board now they can put stickers down now, now we're going to make this a little bit more complicated but don't worry because you're going to get an episode to learn how to use it and don't worry if you're not doing as well as the other person because we'll help you as you'll play and Lisa said to me when we were playing it this, the other day she said you know what are we going to do when we can't play this anymore you know like in that feeling of like what you know when you come into the end of a box set and and you can see the envelopes like dwindling in a, in a box it's just like what what what's life going to be like when we can't play my city like a couple of episodes of my city in the evening hmm. that's that's where you have the opportunity then to be like okay we can progress and try something slightly <laughs> different and i have this whole can... drawer of unopened games for us to play <laughs> But Sam, you've, you, I think you've really hit the nail on the head there because mm-hmm. I was quite sceptical yeah. about this simply because everyone thought that legacy games would be the new genre and they'd be around here for ages. And really yeah. what's kept them going is games such as Pandemic Legacy. And actually it's simply because I think there wasn't a game like this. There wasn't my first legacy game. There was Risk no. Legacy. But if you're going to start board gaming, you're not going to jump into Risk. Yeah. And you're not going to say start in Charterstone necessarily. And you're not going to necessarily jump into Pandemic Legacy straight away. This seems quite nice, innocent. From what I understand from reviews, it's not trying to be full of twists and turns with every envelope. It is a nice, gradual layering of a city, unassuming, and totally Rainer Knizia. He's done it again, as far as I can hear. And actually, it's been a while since I've heard about a Legacy game that genuinely interests me and one that Mm -hmm. I could play with other people that aren't just you. I think the one bit of advice I'd give if you're thinking like this might be something that you're interested in is Rado, who's a who's a um, he's R-A-D-H-O on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, does amazing in-depth experience, like reviews and thoughts on games, and he's almost a dedicated like two-player board game player. Yeah. Like basically, he always plays games with his wife Jen. And his thoughts and breakdowns on my city were were incredibly helpful to like how we started playing it. Like the first thing he said was, make sure you keep your progress points secret. So me and Lisa both have our own little envelopes with our names on them and a little slip of paper in which we keep our progress points secret. Because he said like, there could be a point where as the game goes on like you think oh is this the only way we're gonna like earn progress points and suddenly they start flooding at you from all different directions and if we kept the progress points on like overt and like open knowledge to everyone i think there might he said there could be a point where someone gets so far ahead that you'll be like oh well there's like there's literally nothing there's no more options for me i can't i can never compete so that's that's a really good tip hmm I just like the idea of the Netflix analogy that you're, you've been binging it for so long and you'll open an envelope and it'll say, are you still watching? <laughs> that was another episode of Staying In with Daniel Frost, Peter Willington, Sam Turner and myself, Chris Darby. Thanks again to Cosmos for sending us a review copy of My City as well as very kindly giving us a spot at their booth in this year's virtual expo. If you want to see if we look like the people we sound like, then visit our YouTube channel at Staying In. If you prefer us faceless, then see what we're up to on our Instagram, Twitter and Facebook pages. At Staying In Pod is our handle there. Feel free to join the conversation and ask us a question via these platforms. 
or just email us at stayinginpod at gmail.com. If you just want a quick list of the games we discuss, our Steam curation page has you covered for the digital, and our Board Game Geek profile takes care of the analogue stuff. Lastly, our Spotify page continues to grow with music from the geeky stuff discussed on the podcast. A lovely lo-fi version of a superliminal track has just made its way onto our Ice Tea playlist, with a fizzy and bouncy Fall Guys piece landing in our With Sugar list. You can listen to them on our page, which is titled, you've guessed it, Staying In. Till next time, however, bye! <laughs>